Hey, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to a different creative professional every week, and this week my guest is actor and writer Stephen Fales, who is in L.A. performing his one-man show, Confessions of a Mormon Boy. And as I am a former Mormon boy, I had a lot to talk to him about. Uh, But first, let me do a little housekeeping. Um, If you're listening for the first time, I hope you like what you hear. I hope you subscribe on iTunes, tell your friends, spread the word about Dennis Anyone. Uh, You can like the Facebook page, Dennis Anyone. And you can also go to DennisAnyone.net. And when you're there, there's lots of fun things you can do. You can, uh, there are links to where you can buy my merchandise. I have a couple novels, a CD of music a DVD of short films. Um, you can also send me an email at dennisanyonepodcast at gmail.com. You can see some of the pictures that go with the podcast, things that we sometimes talk about on there. Uh, they're also on the website. And if you feel generous and feel like doing it, there is a tip jar there that you can contribute to that helps me pay for things like web space and parking and equipment and just helps me keep the podcast free. So enough of that. Let's get on to Stephen Fales. We had our conversation on the very stage where he had just performed his show, Confessions of a Mormon Boy. Enjoy. Hey there. I am here on the stage of the Zephyr Theater where my podcast guest for today, Stephen Fales, just performed Confessions of a Mormon Boy, your one-man show. Yeah. Now, is that your first time doing it in L.A. in this run? Because oh, well, you've done it here before. Yeah, this is, like the, this is opening night for the revival. Opening night for the revival. Mm-hmm. So Awesome. And it's pouring rain. Pouring. Packed house. Pa- packed. Everyone came out in... Uh, dr- I hear, you know, hear that the Angelinos don't drive. Yeah, they, they showed up for you. On a Sunday night. I know, it was packed. Yeah. And it was a great, great show. Thank you. I had seen it before, but I had forgotten a lot of stuff in it. So, um, wow, you've lived a life. Well, this is part one of the Mormon Boy trilogy. I get, but there's two more, and I'm like, what else could have happened? Right? Oh. I mean, you went through so much in this show. So for people that haven't um, seen it or maybe read about it, how do, what's your sort of short pitch on what your, what your show is? Well, it, it's, a, it's autobiographical, yes. and um, it's about being the perfect Mormon boy. Just right. everything. I did every, every, every rite of passage in Mormondom. Yes. So, All the things that I didn't do, because I was raised Mormon. Like, okay, I, didn't, I wasn't, didn't play Little League. Did you play Little League? I did. See? I didn't get my Eagle Scout. Did you get your Eagle Scout? I did. I didn't go on a mission, and you went on a mission. To Portugal. To Portugal. All those things that all the other kids did, I knew I wasn't, it wasn't me. But did you go to BYU? No. I grew up in Arizona, so I, that's But that's why. Mormon country. Yes. Mesa? No, northern Arizona, Holbrook. So there was some Mormons, but not as many as like Mesa or... Well, did you go to that scouting jamboree in Flagstaff? I did. I did. I was there. Were you there? I was just a little baby scout. Oh my God. I remember getting an award after that jamboree, because I'm not a camper, and everyone kind of... I think they were trying. I got some award. You got the poet award. Something the like that, though. Like you, you I got pretty. the most merit badges or something like the neatest tent. Like I got some award <laughs> that they. I think they were trying to say, stick with it. Like you can be straight if you, you just, just keep coming back. <laughs> yes, here's an award. I think that was true. I remember that. Yeah. So, I yeah yeah. So did did you? So, uh, other so in other words, all the things that you didn't do, you did do, I, I didn't. Yeah, so I went to BYU, like yeah. every really good Mormon boy. Yeah. And I got married in the Mormon temple. Did you do that? No, no, I didn't. Wow. That's intense. Yeah, it was, in, it was intense. So, yeah. then you talk about your divorce. You talk about going to New York. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and I did all that therapy to be straight. Yeah. And I married into Mormon royalty. I married this Mormon American princess, and her mother was really famous. And say, and we, say the name of the mother in the book. Carolyn Pearson, who wrote yeah. uh, uh, Goodbye, I Love You, about bringing her ex-husband home to die of AIDS in 1984. And this came out in 86, published by Random House, and it made her a literary reality star. Right. And she has kept... Her empire going with more and more sequels. So in some ways, it's like I married into the Kardashians of Mormondom. Right. And I became this footnote in their stories. Right. But so, did she get a book out of you? You know, um, <laughs> my ex-wife now has a book out of me. Yeah, damn right. That's right. That's you know, this right. is horrible. You ruined my life. But I can, you know, you can tell it in a stage show or you can tell it. That's one good thing about going through things. You can... 
Well, you can if make you're a creative art. person, you can make something of it. And, and some of us are in a position we can help people. some things, and it can help. Now, you've been doing this show for quite a while. Mm-hmm. How, what's it like for you to do it now? Do you, does it get deeper, differently? Mm-hmm. How has it evolved for you over time? I think um, I, I wrote The Other Plays, yeah. which I really needed to do artistically and right. personally. So that, um, that gave me more freedom in certain artistic ways. But doing Confessions of a Mormon Boy, I've done it over a thousand times. A thousand times? Easy. That's a lot of confessing. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like I try to make it different every single time. I welcome the, the different, you know, like the rain tonight. We use the rain that. tonight. Or, or the light went out. There was a God light that's supposed to come on and it didn't come on. And you were so charming and unflappable with how you handled it. And as an audience member, we thought, oh, we're never going to see that light, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what you thought? And then it came back on. It came back on at the most perfect moment. And you were just like, I love that light. Like, you sort of broke. It was delicious. It was. Did you learn to roll with those things and the audience will roll with you if you don't freak out? Like, that must have been a learning curve to, like, how do I Listen, deal with the unpredictable I have- stuff? I, had an, I have an MFA in acting, whatever that right. is. Yeah. Classical, musical theater. Right. I tried to be the perfect Shakespeare actor and the perfect right. musical theater guy. Right. What was your audition and, song? Uh, oh, um, uh, 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 the last one I really did was uh, from King and I, I think. I All right. Dreamed, or da, 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 da. Depends okay. on what I'm trying to do. Sure, of course. All right. Good so question. I was I the why God thing from yeah. Christmas I go yeah, on all the yeah. time. Uh, it's a Mormon thing, I think, and a family trait to try this perfectionism. Yes. And so... I'm going to be the best I, little boy in the world. And I'm going to be the best singer. I'm going I'm to say these lines perfectly. And when you're doing solo work and you're doing autobiographical work and you're trying to be you and you're on a quest to be yourself. Right. Um, it's like, I used to want to be Meryl Streep. Let me play anything but me. Right. And now, um, I, I, I really just want to... Who am I more and more? Right. So when I tossed out that perfectionism... It's been a journey in letting that go more right. and more and more. So um, I, uh, it's been really freeing. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You've, you've gotten you, – you realize that if you're just authentic in the moment, the audience will go with you whether the light breaks or the whatever. And once you, if you've done it a thousand times, about number 600, you start to go, oh, it's better if it's not perfect. Yeah. Isn't that weird? For someone People feel, want to feel like they're with you. Like, it's, they're having an experience that's going to be different tomorrow night or the next night. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the weirdest thing that's gone wrong for you on stage? Um, I've had, well, I I was doing the show in San Diego before we went off Broadway. Right. And I forgot to preset my own Prada shoes. And I had right. a major investor ready to invest. And right. I was just like, oh, the shoes, you know. So all those things are people, I can't even think of it tonight. You know how... I, we just did the show. Yeah. And so my brain is like on, I mean, we previewed last night. And I know. It's all good. You I'm forgot- exhilarated, but my, 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 my thoughts are racing yeah. so fast. It's so interesting. You talk about when you were in the church, and then you talk about leaving the church and going to New York and going through a lot of stuff there. What? Like escorting? Escorting. Like crystal and drugs meth? And all of it. And what I wondered is, what I wanted to ask you is, when were you happiest in your life? When I was a young dad at the University of Connecticut, getting my graduate degree. Um, even though I was still in the closet, I woke up with those children every day, and there's a joy that comes from your children. A lot of my show is about having kids. Right. You know, some people have their dogs, you know, and different things. Right. Well, I have, you know, these kids and stuff. Um, you talk about I, hugging time. Yeah, I would say that in part three, Prodigal Dad, I say that that was the happiest time of my life was being a busy young dad. Yeah. So, I, you know, but um, I think the best times are yet to come. That's right. Yeah. Good. If Oprah would have said this moment right now. <laughs> um, oh, right. Yeah, that's... Oh, good for she's her. Always, yeah, good for her. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad. Yeah, yeah. That's so Eckhart Tolle, whatever. whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let them make all that money on that. Now, how old are your stuff. kids now? My son is almost 20. Holy smoke. Right? Does he look like you? Uh, he ha- he's a good cross between his, the, yeah. their mother and I. Okay. They have my brown eyes. Okay. Their mom has blue eyes, but they got my brown eyes. Okay. My son is 6'3". Wow. Blonde. Okay. He's a singer-songwriter. Awesome. Yeah, he has a band. And That's ju- cool. And just before the show, t- I texted him. I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm opening in L.A. And 
And I'm going to sing about, you know, your kids in Utah. And he's like, break a leg, Dad. Have they seen the show, your kids? My son saw the show in Orlando. How long ago? Uh, this was 2011. So all the stuff about escorting and stuff. When did they find out about that? How did they find out about that? <laughs> well, you know, it's really funny when you're working out with your son and, you know, at the gym. And, and he's like, Dad, what's an escort? Oh, shit. And How I'm old like, was he? You know, son, it's something our family doesn't do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anymore. Right. Um, so, what, what? How did that go? How did he find out? I think he found out through the poster. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's no full swearing or nudity in the show. I mean, yeah. it's certainly suggested, et cetera. The, right. The, it's adult themes. Um, but not just that you're talking about it in the show, but that it was happening. Like, when they... You talk about your kids coming to visit you in New York and... Yeah, yeah. I tried and, not to escort while they were there. I right. was living a double life, financing... I was trying to pay for child support, finance my gay adolescence, um, yeah. you know. But it was... I want to get into this. You know, tell me if I'm wrong, but when you see confessions... It's the, it's the, it's fueled by a lot of anger, that, that escorting and needing of approval and right. validation. I was looking for my father's love and money in the penthouses of New York. Right. And I kind of had this aha and I woke up and, and changed my life, started writing about it. And so when I'm talking about the escorting, it's not that there's anything wrong with it, but I got out. And for me, I got onto other dreams. And that's a lesson, that's a life lesson I would like my children to right. take on. I don't think any of us want our children to go out and sell their bodies down the line right um if they don't have to do that and so it's a life lesson so i hope they'll be proud of their dad down the line is there anybody from that time that you keep in touch with or facebook friends or just from that that chapter well when i did the show off broadway i had mr sakuda who was one the of your lizard. first clients yeah yes he was in the front row <laughs> Oh, shit. The lights Your come up. Science. The light comes up. And there he is in the front row of the Soho Playhouse. And right. And next to him is the escort boyfriend that I had fallen in love with. What the fuck? So it's like reality. Both theater. of the people you talk about yes. in your show. but And you're... I mean, so you're not horrible. I'm doing the lizard scene for the lizard. Yeah, but you, it's like, I think you call you don't call him a troll, but you talk about trolls. They weren't all trolls like the lizard. Yeah, like so. What are you? What's going on in well, your head? He called me after the show, somehow still had my number or something, or he left his message, and so I was going to call Mr. Sudikar. Not to, you know, he's like. Uh, this is Mr. Sakuda. I want you to come to my party and do that number, that show from your show. Oh my God. He's like going to go back to Japan. And I'm just like, you know, some people don't know that the joke's on them. That's awesome though. Because he wanted ju- you to. Yes. But I, for his dignity. Yeah. You did. I wasn't going to do. But you almost got another gig. Well, it wouldn't have been for sex. It would have been, you <laughs> Yeah, know, you got to, you know. You're, I would have been back in his apartment. Yeah. Performing. Performing in a different having way. Having sex on him, you know. Wow. Am I still Am I still just an escort? Is that what's Is going on? Is that what's on? happening? But were you, I would have shit my pants if they were in there. And no, I, I said a prayer. I said a prayer. Do you still pray? I pray in my own way. Yeah. I like, I go, you know, you know, also my, my, it's often a very feminine yeah. thing, you know. Like, um, yeah, I, 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 I pray what I want, how I want, where yeah. I want, but I find that tossing a prayer off has, uh, actually been quite magical for me. It's awesome. And it, and it, it's often calls me down, calms me down. So when you have the, the lizard there and you're like, God, if this is going to be some kind of transformational play that you, th- you know, that I'm supposedly written, here, these two people just helped me get through it. Anyway, after I did that show, the stage manager came up to me afterwards. He's like, Stephen, what show was that? It was so real. You know? It was, it was extraordinary in terms of the shows that he had seen you do. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about the ex, the former escort that you had the... the... Oh, well, I greet everyone on the way out. Yeah. He gave me a big hug, whispered in my ear. Um, what did he say? You're, you were astounding or a, it was like, it was extraordinary or it was something amazing and I'll call you. Right. Did he ever call you? Hell no. Oh, wow. I know. I've had my heart broken so many times. That's, oh, damn it. Well, oh. you're back in LA where the dating is just, it's great. Everyone's on the level. Nobody flakes. Right. Everything's going to be fine. Right. Everyone just, you know, wants to wait until the clothes come off. That's and- right. Are you single now? 
Very. Very single. And you're back in L.A. What made you decide to move back here? Well, um, I, you know, honestly, I, I think I paid my New York dues. I'm, I'd be happy to go back right. to do for projects, but I, I don't feel like I want to live there, yeah. that I need to live there. A so, lot of people just get tired of the grind of the city. No matter what. Yeah, of the like, city itself. No matter like what financial. Just like walking your stairs with the grocery bags digging into your fingers, and they're like, you know what? I'll I'll live in Studio City. Fuck this shit. Right, and the sunshine, the, the, yeah. the weather is yeah. horrible there. Yeah, nice. Um, so that's where you were right before you came back here. Well, I was in. I left in May. Yeah, I spent the summer at my mother's in Utah, helping her on. She has this property that needed help, and nice. she's a single mom. Uh, well, she's a single older lady. Now. Yeah. And um, and then the, through the fall... Has I, your mother seen your show? My mother has seen my show. My father came to opening night. That's amazing. Uh, my ex-wife has seen the show. Because when you say confessions, you're not fucking around. Like, you really... This is St. Augustine. Deep. You dig deep and this is... you expose a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I... Not just in terms of, like... But you're also your emotional state and your thoughts, and, and it's very raw, so that... That these people that came that are in your life that came to it—that's interesting, and mm. I bet it was intense. Well, the writing—it was the writing that's the hardest piece. Do the first part, the first, putting yeah, it, dropping doing it down the, the well, feeling those feelings, uh, writing it is is the most cathartic thing. Yeah, and then the um, you know the, the telling it—that's just craft and fun, but it is challenging when people are in the audience. Yeah, who who you're? Oh, the the hardest thing is someone new you're dating. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, KK, come see my show. And they're like, they watch you be this escort and they right. watch you. And they think that that's, you know, that's not me today. Right. But in their mind, that's what they see. Right. Which you can either and that's be why a turn I, on that's why or I'm maybe single. a turn off. Yeah. And it turns on the wrong The wrong people are, people. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, you mentioned that your son's a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up in the Mormon church, you know, I always wanted to be a creative person. And I always felt like Mormons love that. To a point. Mm-hmm. Like, they love it at the road show, and they love it in the choir and stuff like that. But if you're really going to do it professionally, mm-hmm. it's a little bit like... It's not that they put it down, but it seems like a pipe dream or irresponsible. Maybe that's true of all cultures. But it's sort of like, we love it here, but not here. So, your, well, your son's a... pursuing something in, in music. Well, it's it's hard to be an artist. Yeah, no You shit. can be a craftsman in Mormondom. Yeah. yeah. Because they want your talents harnessed for the propaganda films. Right. They want you to be an Osmond. Now, right. That Marie Osmond, she has one agenda, and that's to convert the world with her smile and make as much money as she can while doing that. You think so? Absolutely. Because I feel like Marie got real when some shit started going down She's in her life. She's not as real as you might think. Oh, I want her to be super real. I like know, I want so her to be cute. the cool one. And also she's like a gay kids and shit. Yeah, like, but she still goes to that temple. Yeah. She's still wearing her stuff. She's not speaking up. She's speaking up enough to be liked and nice and do her own right. damage control right. for her own Mormon career. Wow. You know, even Gladys Knight is a Mormon today. I did not even know yes. Gladys Knight was a Mormon. They are proselytizing machines. Yeah. And that's what the Mormon church hopes she'll do. She's going to do Midnight Train to Provo. I did not know Gladys Knight was a Mormon. She converted. Wow. I think she just wanted to get sober. Maybe. It helps. You know what? I've yeah, never yeah. done, I've never been into drugs, alcohol, anything. That's one thing from that background that stuck. Wow. I never cared about it. To this day, I don't care about it. That's awesome. Now, you got excommunicated. Yes. And I've always wondered, what do those rooms look like? I always imagine it to look like the star chamber. Or like, you know, just like, you know, in your mind, it feels like a movie. Like dark and pillars and shafts of light and... What was it like? Was it just like a steak center office? Well, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. cinder blocks. Cinder blocks. cinder blocks. And then this huge oak table. And like 12 to 15 men I'd never seen before. Right. In suits and ties. And they bring you in. And uh, so a lot of the show is about being tried as a homosexual in the year 2000. Yeah. That was um, the year you got excommunicated. Yeah. Medieval wow. barbaric cult tactic in the 21st century. But the moment you found out, you write, you talk about it. Being there's a moment of lightness to it for you. Well, a lot of people are like, why would you go to your church court? Why would you face that? Yeah, why would fuck you do that? Well, I've done everything else. Right. I'm going to do this all the way. Yeah. But something was like, you know what? I need to let them. I need to let the chips fall. Um. And in a way, so you know, there's a difference between an apostate and a heretic. Okay. Apostates but- will just leave the church. Right. Heretics are burned at the stake. 
and it's a different it's a, it's, it's a slightly different thing. Right. So to be burned metaphorically in that church court for being gay gives you power. But you they have to face it. They and have to they have to think about it, right? They have to do it, but you are then branded as excommunicated, not right. just merely I left or had my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in a ballpark of uh, people who have a platform. Very few people. You know, they're you're you're excommunicated. So you've been through a right of something and you can talk about it. Yeah. And you also, when you're generous back, you've been excommunicated and you give back any generosity. Yeah. It's really powerful. Yeah. And so in my show, you know, there, I try to uh, say the good things too. Right. So anyway, I let them hang themselves. And there was one man you talk about that was at your panel. Yeah. Who cried. Yeah. Did yeah. You- he, he was one guy who was crying throughout the whole church court and I couldn't help wonder why. I mean... You have, no, your, you have the hunch. It could be. Mm-hmm. Why? How long does it last? How long were you in there? Uh, mine went very fast. Really? So it was like 7 in the morning. Oh, by morning to get up by, early. Yeah. It was on a Sunday just yeah. before church. Yeah. Usually they do it on a Saturday, but I knew going into my church court that I was always gonna, already going to be excommunicated. You knew it. There wasn't going to be. So it went pretty fast and swift. I had my name removed from the rolls. Okay. I, I don't know if I told you this story the last time we met. I w- went to church all growing up. My father wasn't Mormon, but my mother was. So it was, it was the church we went to, but it wasn't, it wasn't super hardcore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... Yeah, but were you, do you have Utah ancestry? Um, probably, yes. Like my pioneers. mother's side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So culturally, yes, it's like being for Jewish. Sure. It's like yes. being Jewish. We celebrated the 24th of July, and we went to the parade, and yeah, that's the blood. day of... What is the 24th of July? The founding of Mormonism? Pioneer Day. It's Pioneer Day. Yeah. Okay. 1847. Right. They rolled in. And for, you know, as college happened, I quit going to church and I just never went. I, I, I sort of say I quit going when the rest of my life got too interesting. Mm. Well, in the mid-2000s, <laughs> the, they found me. The elders found me and would come to the door. And I would always say, thank you for stopping by. I'm fine. Whatever. Because they, Mormons... I, I do like they check up on people. They care about people, and they'll help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll bring a casserole. They they care. They're wonderful people. And one day they came, and I was with my boyfriend at the time, and we were watching Rick and Steve, the Lego gay thing on Logo. Do you remember that show? No, no. It was a gay couple on Logo. This is 2000? It would have been 2006, 2007. Okay, okay. And the guy was like, the, knock, knock. And I was like, look, I'm gay. This is my boyfriend. We're watching a show. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you coming by, mm-hmm. but that's the story. Well, now I think one of I think it was the bishop that was one of those two people, and now he had a cause. Mm. So he sent me literature in the mail mm-hmm. about my sin or whatever, and then mm. he called me up and he was like, "Did you get the pamphlet I said I sent you?" And I said, "Yeah, I got it." And he goes, "Did you read it?" And I said, "I skimmed it." And he goes, "What'd you think of it?" And I said, "Look." I'm not going to change. I'm gay. What are my options? Mm. And he goes, well, you can write a letter asking to be removed from the church rolls. What's the address? Because mm. I threw down. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'd had another, bi- I think there's probably bishops out there now that are not like that. Mm-hmm. that you know, that are a little more, especially now as, thing, as the culture shifts a little bit. But that's what I did. And I wrote the letter and I sent it. And there was something sort of, I'm not interested in going to church anymore, but it was a part of my life. And it was something, there was something sort of sad and like, it was non-negotiable with this man, you know? Mm. But, um, yeah. So that's my story. When I, when I was excommunicated, I think I had an identity fracture. Yeah. I mean, I just had a schism. Well, you were, it was so much a part of your life. Mormon. Yes, that wasn't true of me. And and so psychologically, I think I had a, you know, I think I, I, I think I turned manic to survive or something. Because that first year, you see in New York, I was just like the double life. The, I did things that I never thought I would do. Yeah. I was really, really broken until, and so, but I had to go through it so that I could learn that, um. Well, back to prayer, I guess. In the show, in my church court, I have this spiritual experience where yeah. it's as if I had this voice hit me uh, from inside, say, Stephen, I know who you are, and I am so much bigger than this church. Right. And um, I, I, I wasn't expecting 
such a spiritual experience to happen when they're, there. Burning, when they're burning me at the stake. And so for me, had I not gone through that and faced that, um, I wouldn't have been gifted yeah. with that thing. So, and I, I think if I had lived anywhere else but Utah at the time, yeah. I wouldn't have been excommunicated. I agree. I think it was yeah, unless you looked at my. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> unless you had my bishop, who was not—he was not having it. Mm. Um, no, it's true though. I think. I, I think it was my destiny. Yeah. And I think it was. And then when I got excommunicated, I was like, "This is happening to other brothers, gay brothers and sisters." Yeah. That don't have a voice. Someone should write about this. And, and you then did. It was like, I guess I'm going to write about it. How long did it take you to write? I started writing. After my excommunication and my divorce, within 15 months, I premiered the first version. Wow, of this. Of this in Salt Lake City. I was living in New York, and I, I came to Salt Lake, and I figured if I could make it there, I could make it anywhere. In Salt Lake. If you, so you premiered the show in the hotbed of Mormonism yeah. with your family and stuff all in the state. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you're like, I'm doing the show. Uh-huh. I'm going to be in my I underwear on, at one point. I took on Mormonism. And it was... A, it was you went to ground zero. What, who, who came and what was the reaction like and how was that? Well, I didn't know if anyone would come. And the preview, I, 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 was, doing it all, I was doing all of this myself. I had lost my Juilliard trained director, blah, blah, blah. And this was an early script. And I booked the show on, my, on myself. Um, and I was pulling my own curtain to go on. Um, it takes place in Mormon eternity, so there's a star drop and this prison costume. Anyway, I, I just about had a nervous breakdown the day before, and I, uh, the two hours before the preview, and I go over to the box office after I pulled it all together, and the whole preview was sold out, 200 seats. Wow. For the preview. And I just got the energy to do it. And there was all these gay Mormons in this counterculture that was starving for this. I'm sure. And uh, you could have heard a pin drop and all the – everything was right. You have to understand that two hours before, I was losing my voice. Nothing was going right. And then I, I had this – I pulled it all together and came back and it was sold out. And, and then it just went great and it, it just became gangbusters. And then I knew I had to write the Gentile version for New York. Right. And so then I got more and more courage to add more and more. And so the escorting and stuff came later. Okay, so it wasn't in that initial... No, but the excommunication, yeah. the Pearson family, my ex-wife, yes. all of that family stuff was, you know, was there. That was very hard to do. What kinds of things do Mormons tell you after the show? I'm sure you hear a lot. Well, I'll have Methodists say, you've told my story. Really? And I'm Methodist. Or Jewish, or I mean, anyone. This is my contribution to helping end spiritual abuse in our churches, mosques, and synagogues. Damn right. And religious violence. So this is—it's in the water. Right. So I fear-driven. Uh huh. Uh huh. Anytime was, you're told you're not worthy of God's full love and blessings. I remember when I was a kid and I first learned about that I could masturbate, and. Um, I felt like that was the only thing I did wrong. Everything else I was, everything else I was perfect. Mm. And I did that one thing wrong and I have to stop it. 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 Mm. And this was a phase for a while where I felt really bad about it. And I, and I didn't stop it. And I, and then I remember one night I was going to tell my mother, I was going to tell her. Yeah. And I remember sitting there on the chair and she was watching TV or reading a book. And I just sat there for a long time. And then I decided not to tell her. And I'm really glad I didn't tell her. Mm. I don't think she could have handled... We weren't a talking family mm-hmm. about things like that. I don't know what she would have done. But I'm really glad I didn't. But, but it sucks that kids feel bad about stuff like that. It's shame. It's, uh, stuff about sex. Stuff about who they're, what's happening with their bodies. and mm-hmm. That's why that, movie, that show Spring Awakening moved me so much. It's like, we've got to help people... Figure out what's going on with them and their bodies and stuff. We've got to give them some help. Yeah. Shame fuels so much. Yeah. Uh, destructive stuff. Now, I'm pro... I'm pro... I'm... I want to make sure that... You know, I don't want to sound like a prude. Um, I'm pro-sex. But I think I'm even more pro-relationship. Yeah. And so there's a give and take. Yeah. You know, for things like that. So... My platform, when it comes to sex, is it should be for fun and for free. Yeah. When you pay for it, something that twists 
your affections. I mean, what if you when you're on the receiving end of the payment? Did it affect how you were able to have relationships outside of oh, the yeah. work? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Put yourself on that sex object treadmill, and yeah. and uh, you're in for some post traumatic sexual disorder. It right. takes a lot to deal with that. You mentioned something very funny. I think it was a sort of an ad lib that somebody in LA once said that you're not as tan as your poster. Yeah. You talked about it was a gold a- star thing. Yeah. Oh, those fuckers didn't even pay full price? Yeah. So they came out afterwards and they said... Well, there was this little review. I st- I've stopped reading Gold Star. Oh, reviews. fuck Gold... Yeah, no. Right? Fuck them. Yeah, they're not paying and full so price. So, like, someone gave me a two stars, he's, and all it said was, he's not as tan as the poster. I mean, I'm LA Times Critics' Choice. You can yeah. say something, like, right. you know, but all they wanted to know here in LA is... Yeah. You know, is his teeth as white? It, you, you kind of start getting that... You know, you come from the East Coast with these reviews, and you come to L.A., and you're like, wait, all you can think about is, did I work out enough? Yeah, I got Yeah, I got to get on the fucking elliptical or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I guess that's true. Yeah, but that is so, that is so L.A. He's not as tan as the poster. That's crazy. Right. All right. So uh, you picked a couple of questions from the observation deck. What do you got? Do you collect anything? Okay, do you collect anything? I do. What do you collect? I collect magnets. Oh, really? Of what, like... Shows or just I have anything? the world famous magnet collection. I'm not kidding. Really? Will I, you take a picture and send it to me so I can post it with this podcast? Yeah, or is yeah. It, where is I have it? a picture in a file. Of, okay. There's more now than that okay. one. But uh, I love it because it's an inexpensive way to grab a souvenir, first of all. Yeah. And then when you're with your kids, it creates a, you know, like this memory. Yes. So every magnet has a memory. And so my, I ideally want to get one of those corrugated tin wall yes. things. And just have it, and it's kind of it's kind of cool because I try to get artistic ones. Yes, um, you know some people collect. Sure. Yeah. Other things. What's your favorite magnet? Do you have a favorite? I or one with a story. Uh, there's there's um, I think the ones with my kids that that they were with you when you bought them. Right. Yeah. Right. Any one of those, like the, this Disneyland trip over here, or this when I, my son saw the show in Orlando, we went to yeah. Disney World here. or... Or, um, was he was by himself when he came to it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had this timeshare. I was performing at the Parliament House. Yeah. And then I had the day off, and then we went to Disney World. And, wow. And he came and saw the show. And came he and said, Dad, Dad, wow, it really humanized you. Wow. He was, did he say anything else about he it? He said 15 and a half. He was 15 and a half, and he saw it. Yeah. What, did you, what does your ex-wife think of the show? Has she seen it? Um, my ex-wife... Is, um, I think she's working on her own solo show. Okay. I don't think she can see past her own solo plans show. for that. Okay. So. I do love, <laughs> there's a moment in the show where you give her a phone call from the Pure Dance in New yeah. York. Mm-hmm. I love that moment. It really, it really Can you happened. say a little about that? Yeah, her dad, you know, I got this impression to call Emily on myself because this I This was I, after I, you had divorced, you were in New York. I felt like. Her dad touching my me on the shoulder and say, "Call my daughter." And her dad and her dad died of AIDS, died of AIDS and, and was gay. And she book. loved her dad. She grew up in the Castro with her father. Yeah, and um, so she so she, she knew spent I was, time with him when he was gay. Yeah, yeah she knew I was gay before we got married. Right. And so it was this complicated thing, and so I'm there in New York, and I call her up, and I say, "Em, your dad wanted me to call you and wish you a happy gay pride." And she just burst into tears, and I knew they were tears of, of like, like, like spiritual tears. Something like her connected. Father was touching her. Yeah. You know, through me somehow that we're coming full circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Emily has left the church. Yeah. Now. Interesting, but her mother is like the Oprah of the church, right? Yeah. With books and things. Oh yeah. That must be interesting. That she, must be fun at Q and A's. Yeah, yeah. She's. Uh, She's really inspiring. Her, I, I've been a huge fan of her yeah. work. Um, one of the reasons why, though, I, I tell my work is that sometimes I feel like she whitewashes the gay man story. Yeah. And I think our allies are wonderful, but we have to tell our own stories. Yeah. Because it's a human nature to twist someone else's story for your personal gain and sure. glory and messiah complexes yeah. that come in. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Pro-gay for pay? Yeah. Yeah. I can spot it a mile away. I'm like, yeah, you're so pro-gay for pay. Wow. Um, what about that reality show with the Mormon wives? Have you seen it? It's recently... Uh, the, the sister wife thing? Yeah. Or it's, it's like, no, I married... My husband's not gay or something. Oh. But they happen to be Mormon. Well, listen. 
These women know what they're doing. In patriarchy, they have no true power. Yeah. The only way for a woman who doesn't want to marry a Mormon jerk to have any... Well, these women don't want to marry a typical Mormon jerk. So they sense these, these sweet gay men uh, and marry them so that they can have power at home. Yeah. Because they can't have power in the church, but they can dominate at home. It was interesting, and I don't remember who it was, but when the show first premiered, I heard a conversation about the radio, and it was a gay Mormon, somebody with, with like a similar background to you, saying everything is, all the emphasis is on the men. Look at the women. Like, what, what's it about for them? They're not who you think they might be like these dupes. Mm-hmm. There's something afoot. Yeah. You know, maybe there was molestation or something. Maybe they don't want, maybe they don't want a conventional sexual Listen, relationship. sexual abuse, a lot of them are sexual abuse. In fact, so, my ex-wife... Yes. What's not in confessions is that she had huge flashbacks of ritualistic sexual abuse. And she shared this with me before we got married. So I was going to believe in her sexual healing, and she could believe I was straight. Right. We would get married to have Mormon babies, make Mormon art, and we would go to Mormon heaven. We, that was, and that we was would, the deal. And we proved the world that, that gay men can be straight, because her dad didn't have this therapy. Yeah. But what I don't really share is that I erase a lot of myself for someone who, who had a lot of needs that right. I could never fill. And so it wasn't just about me being gay. Right. This was about a woman who um, had her own psych- psychology going on. Stuff going on. And she's writing about that. And so I'm, I right. feel I can talk about the sexual abuse because I think she's been talking about it. Yeah. And she has this new book out called Dancing with Crazy. Wow. Self-published. Go take you're a not, look. You're, not, cra- you're not crazy. I'm not the crazy you're not, one. You're not the title I character. I I'm not. <laughs> there's, a also, pic- there's a picture of you and her on the cover dancing. No. Yeah, I was the last house on the patriarchal block yeah. for her. Yeah. She was 25. She was done with her Hollywood career. Yeah. You know, she used this blonde, blue-eyed thing, you know, yeah. that didn't want to be on Baywatch anymore. And the love of her life, uh, Roger had died in her arms the day before she met me. How? So, you know, I was a rebound. How did she She how didn't did really die? love me. She loved him. Cancer. Shit, a brick. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. Wow. She's got a story. She's going to have, it's going to be some show. Some... But here's the thing about story. There's yeah. two stories. There's the victim's story or the hero's journey. Right. Look what happened to me. Yeah. Or take responsibility for your life and what did I overcome? And that's something that happens in your story. At a certain point, you have that realization that it can't be about your father. It can't be about... Yeah, I can't blame anybody. Yeah. Um, would, am I willing to stop being a victim? And something deep inside me said yes. And then there was a perception shift. And let me tell you, though, just because you had a transformation doesn't mean it won't be tested later on. Yeah. So it's easy for me to slip back into the victim thing. And one of the things this show helps me to do is to remind me not to go there anymore. Yeah. So it helps me to do this work. Yeah. I love it. What's the young? Do you ever have young? Do you ever have active Mormons come and see the show? People yes, are still in, in the Boston, church. I was, how do they do? How do they process it? In Boston, I was doing the show, and after the show, um, this man in his tie uh, comes up to me. He's like, "Thank you so much for devoting your life to this. You've really helped me understand my son." Wow! And he just ball, falls into my arms, crying. Yeah, I was like, "He's in the mission presidency." In, in Boston. Wow. Really warm. And I said, is that your wife? Yeah, she's the Relief Society president, which is a big deal. And these are yeah, big Yeah, they're positions. the big positions, of course. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a lot of, you know, I've helped a Jehovah Witness guy with his mom. And they've talked now because she saw the show. I mean, yeah. The show, people identify, it makes a difference. And that's why I do it. I guess I'm still on a mission. In a way, yeah. Do you ever feel like, you know what, I should just go... Be an, an ensemble show somewhere, and you know what I mean. Take do something less personal. Yeah, had I not done a lot of Shakespeare musicals before, yeah, you know, I would feel like I, you know, and I you'd have to, that. Itch. I hope to go back, but right. I have new shows. Yeah. I have this show, um, like a sixty-minute stand-up show that I want yeah. to start doing. These, you know, this is intense solo plays. Yeah. So I have a show I want to do at Hollywood Fringe called Cult Model. Oh, I love it. What, C- what happens? C U L T. What happens there? I discuss. I have. I'm cult susceptible. You are you. You can get into a cult yeah, thing. Easy. Yeah. If it's not a cult, I'll make it one. Yeah. You like you. You yeah. like that. Thing. I obsessive obsessive cult disorder. Like, like so maybe like a, a workout video that would suck you in and like, yeah, yeah yeah everything uh, from trendy the things. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. All right. If it has a step, I'll I'll do it. And, right. 
You like that stuff. No, but Mormonism taught me, to, you know, using Mormon. But any, I could turn anything into a cult. Yeah. So we, uh, we have the cult of personality. We have, you know, religious cults, all this stuff. So cult mentality. It's not the cult. There's a lot of value to a lot of these cults or yeah. people wouldn't go there. Right. But you hit the cult ceiling and then you have to make a decision if you're going to stay or take what you learn and leave. Yeah. If you leave, it's hard. Yeah. Because you're addicted to the fellowship. You're addicted to the, um, you know... To the community, to to being part of something. And other people thinking for you and other people giving you language. You cannot... You don't even come up with your own words anymore. You take their language and you re... So so how... What is it to... um, Cult mentality ultimately leads us to ISIS. Yeah. There's a lot at stake. But we're going to have fun with it. So okay. it starts off with this. I've been alive forever, and I formed the very first cult. So you're starting off with a little Manilow. You can't go wrong there. That's right. Yeah. What's your favorite Mormon swear word? I'm fond of flip. Yeah. There was somebody growing up with it that used to say flip. You know, because they don't like to swear properly. They'll That's say, true. Dang or gosh. Or shoot. 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 I heard you say shoot earlier. Shoot. Yeah. Somebody had brought beautiful flowers and you weren't sure if you should take them with you or leave them at the theater or what to do. And, and you I were like, shoot. You said shoot. And Dang. I was like, that is so Mormon. Well, in missionary position, I have fun with this. So I'll like, like flippity flip and flip. Yeah. Or, or like I, 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 at the beginning, I'm like, I can't, I can't. Can I swear on this? Yeah, you totally So I'm swear. like, I'm like, um. You know, uh, I, I feel like I want to swear. And I'm like, flip. Yeah. Flip it. I flip, 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 flip. I can't do it. Fuck. Oh. And then I go, fuck, 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 And it's cathartic. Yes. But flip, it almost takes more effort to invent the fake one. But flip was the, I thought flip might have just been an Arizona Mormon word, but apparently no. Well, fetch is popular, but flip. Flip yeah. and flip, right? Yeah, of course. What's your other question on the card? Well, Oh, I have to say, you know, I'm a dad, so I try not to swear. Right. And there's only two places I say the F word. Yeah. That's in the gym and in the bedroom. Okay. Okay. Why do you say it in the gym? Well, sometimes it helps me lift that weight. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then in the, I bath, often, in in the, the bedroom. Gym, I often say fuck a duck in the gym. Are you, I, I, that's like my favorite turn of phrase. And my, my friend Jalen, who used to train me, when I would ever say, I would always go, well, fuck. And he would go, a duck. He would always finish it for me. Anyway, that's our cute little thing. You don't need to... That's not important. That well, has nothing to I had do with this your trainer show. in New York. He was like, fuck yeah, let's do yeah. this. I'm like, yeah. mm, okay. Okay. All right. I'm on. Okay, Have you ever you- had a good diva tantrum? Okay. I, I, you know, once in a while, I explode, you know. And, it happens. Uh, yeah. You do a thousand shows. But, yeah, yeah. So... What happens? Uh, I was working at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Okay. And I got to be in the catalog where they take pictures and it's sure. very special. And I, I was playing the lead and the boyfriend. And right. And I was very new in right. all of this stuff, and I didn't really know my place as an actor. Right. And I think I thought I was the star of the whole Utah Shakespeare Festival or something. Well, it was called The Boyfriend. Yeah, but I was only one of six shows. Okay. And, you know, I, okay. Uh, so I, 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 I think I screamed out, like, um, makeup! <laughs> really? Like somebody was going to run out on stage and do your makeup? Yeah, I wanted to be perfect. In yeah. This, you know? <sighs> what happened when you did that? Did people laugh? All or? I know is I... Never got to work there again. Really? I learned my lesson. Shit, that That's hurts. Right. Listen, when you're an actor, you, gotta, you know, you got producers, you got all these other things. Yeah. That's the hardest thing of my job. You do everything. I produce what I create. And I think the future belongs to those who produce what they create. But people aren't used to the talent being the writer and, or the producer. And the marketer and all the and social... The marketer. Everything. So people often... Wa- it's tricky because they want to see you as just the talent, but then when you pull out your urban claws or your producer, you know, things, yeah. or you crack the whip, then that kind of hurts the brand yeah. of the talent. However, if you aren't producing all of this anyway, the talent wouldn't get seen. There's no way we would have had this full sold out show tonight without me producing it. Right. And we had a rockin' time. We're gonna and have no one, no one cares as much as you do. No one's going to care. Yeah. All we have to change the world is our story. Right. And, you know, it's hard to get people. You want a team that cares as much as you do. And um, you're blessed when that all comes together. It's awesome. Yeah. What do you love about being a Mormon when you were a Mormon? Like, what do you miss about it? I was trying to think about, for me, what was it that was I, I think the people the were nice. good old-fashioned uh, hokey Mormon humor. 
the good fun times, totally stone cold sober. Yeah. Um, dancing the night away, stone cold sober, having a good time. Those, I miss that old. I, the church dancers shit. were kind of awesome. The yeah. church dances were great. Yeah. And in my town, Holbrook, like non-Mormons would come to our church dances because mm-hmm. they were cool. Oh, we had the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. And you talked about throwing the best Mormon parties. Oh, yeah. New, Year's. New Year's Eve parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My ex-wife and I. You tore They it all came over. Yeah. You know, we'd have shrimp cocktail and stuff. Nice. And no alcohol. And we'd have yeah. games. So, yeah, I miss that. I miss that. I miss the wholesome times. Yeah. Um, I'm not always wholesome. Yeah. I didn't real. I didn't do that. You're, you can be wholesome and wholesome. Well, I think that's my real brand. Yeah, I'm like wholesome, wholesome. I'm, that's the title of this podcast because I always look for a quote <laughs> to pull. Um, I think as I get, you know, I quit going to church like when college happened, and I got into theater, and I felt like these are my people. This is where I feel connected. But I understand the need as you get older to just want to go someplace and connect to people about something bigger. Where it's not about your problems necessarily. I understand that. Or it's not always about sex. Yeah, it's about something else. Or it's just about compassion or connecting with other people, being in a place. I understand that more as I get older. Like, I get why people go to church now. Mm. I used to think it was boring and, oh, get me out of here. I Mm -hmm. used to sneak candy. You know, um, your, what was it called? The triple combination? Mm -hmm. The scriptures? The Book of Mormon and everything. With the zipper around it? Mm -hmm. I would... (laughs) Just sneak candy in that zipper and just stuff it in there to eat during church. Like, it was always... Church was always kind of a drag, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, now I get why people might want to go to some church. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. And connect. So you're interested in the cult? Maybe. Do you have a good one? What's your latest one? Well, you know, they're varying degrees. Not all cults are bad, you know? Right. So, um... Have you gone to MCC? What's that? Metropolitan Community oh, Church. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I've heard that. It's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're nice. They're, they're nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. They're gay. They're really gay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes really gay. I went to uh, an event once. I think it was, I don't know, it was some gay church, but it was so cruisy. Like, it was so, like, mm, it was a little bit, like, calm down. Like, oh, you must have gone to a 12-step meeting. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> now, you, we'll, we'll wrap this up soon, but you talk about experimenting with drugs and stuff in, in New York during those days. Yeah, I didn't have a really Did you drink ever... or drug till I was 30. I mean, yeah. I, I guess I had tasted a few things here and there, but... Um, was, it t- was it hard to leave that behind, or was it hard to... Yeah, you know, once you've had a taste of, of mind-blowing sex on crystal meth, um, the only thing that is uh, better than that kind of fun high uh, are two things. I'll tell you what they are. Okay. Flying on stage tonight. For all of you. Wow. Was like better than any drug you Thank could you. possibly do. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. And you guys fed me. And we had fun. Yeah. You can use, you know, I think as gay men, we often get really creative in the bedroom and online. Yeah. And we spiral out of, we spiral. Right. Versus, am I working on my screenplay? Yeah. Am I working on my new show? Oh, I heard a great um, term for that this what? week. Um, procrastination. <gasps> you can use that. Oh, you mean online? Yeah. Just, like if you're like spinning out on sex you, you, you know you should be doing this, but instead you're procrastinating. Well, how about this new word? <laughs> Spunctuality. What does that mean? That means you don't just bliss out. You, you know, you, you, chat. You got spunk and you put action into your creative endeavor. Oh, I thought endeavor. I was thinking of jism. Like I was thinking. Oh of- my gosh, no! <laughs> I'm talking about creativity. Yes, punctuality. You're so okay. wholesome. I know. I'm, I'm I gotta so say, wholesome. wholesome. You are. You said there were two things that were better than sex on crystal meth. What was the other oh, one? You were listening. I know. Yeah, I, I'm a follow up. So, I'm no. It's so late. Yeah. I know. I know. We're gonna wrap it up. Okay. But what's the other thing? It's raining. Yeah. Can you hear that? Shh. I know. All right. Be quiet. Like this with someone you really like, like sex on white hot emotional intimacy is the hottest sex of all. Wow, I am bringing vanilla back. <laughs> <laughs> you sold the shit out of that. 
Is that a line in one of your shows? It should be. It should be, huh? It should be. That's a good Did line. Did you see how I got sultry like that? You really sold it. Oh. I'm like, it's very intense right now yeah, in the yeah. Zephyr Theater. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. really intense. Great. Yeah. yeah. So how, uh, tell people how they can see your show, how they can find yes, out about it. Yes, I have a new website. It's called good. Mormon Boy Online. Do you ever feel like Mormon boy? Do you ever feel like it's like Backstreet Boys? They're now like in their 40s. Do you ever feel like, how Listen, long can I get away with Mormon boy? You know what? It, it's a brand. I will be Stephen Fales moving on, but we're going to have a few more years of the Mormon boy Damn phase. straight. Own it. So I'm not, Mormon just, boy underwear, Mormon right. boy jeans. When yeah. you're wearing Mormon boy, you wear the truth. That's so right. So all of this is spinoffs for the Mormon yeah. boy trilogy. Yeah. And we have Don't just bear your testimony. Bear your ass. I don't know. There, I was thinking of a tagline. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to have... Uh, There's a have... lot of Mormon lingo in this podcast that people aren't going to understand. Listen, but Do you we're... still have your CTR ring? No. Remember those? Yeah. You'd get those in primary? CTR means choose the right for oh, yeah. those who need to know. Yeah. I forgot I forgot that's what it stood for. Do you for. like this bench we're on? I know. It's we're very... actually sitting on the IKEA we're sitting bench. On the, the IKEA bench that I do my show on and yes. we ride it and I do my escort montage on you this. Do, you... We really should sell this for like $1,000. I know. To a charity. Did you build it yourself? Well, from IKEA, yeah. 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 So you can do it. That's handy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. come and see the show. Come and see it's it. It's at the Zephyr Theater. Yes. Every Sunday night at nice. 7 p.m. Okay. Okay. Um, you can get tickets at mormonboyonline.com. I'm on Twitter, Mormon Boy. Nice. I'm on Instagram and Tumblr. Wow. Mormon Boy Live. I love it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm. Do you have any merch? Do you have any swag? Swag like mer- garments oh. with your name on it, or no? We uh, Mormon we, Boy. Have, uh, you can get the Live from London album on iTunes. Wow. So, so if you if you don't live in LA and you're listening to this, yeah. you can. Download the album, and it's, is it the sh- full show? The full show. It's like a storytelling with the audience live from recorded live from London when we wow. played the West End. You played the West End? Yes. Wow, that must have been exciting. It was really cool. Right after the Edinburgh Festival. Where's the weirdest place you've done your show? Halifax. Halifax. Nova Scotia. Wow. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, but I also played at a BDSM club in Denver. Wow. Yeah. So my so where show, you literally so I did my show was and, there then literally the, a and, then, and then after the, they would change the curtain and all this, these things were behind like the curtain. Like 50 shades of gray shit. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I, you know, it's like, I don't do fulsome. Yeah. Right. But yes, I, well, Some, I don't you, do that. You the dabble. BDSM. But yeah. it was wild. So I've done, I've done, I've done my show. Were the, were the audience all those kind of people? No. Oh, so they just happened to... That but they were really waiting for my show to end, and they were right. waiting for the club to start. And so right. I have to go through the, the right. shades, the fifty sh- the Mormon shades of gray yeah. on the way out. I love it. Um, but yeah, Mormon Boy, you okay. can get the book um, yes. on Amazon. I love uh, it. Confessions of a Mormon Boy, the album, London Live. And we're going to have a lot more stuff. I'm here in L.A. To, to, to make all that happen. Well, you're a terrific performer. It's a great show. It gets into a lot of stuff. You cover so much. Mm. And um, I know how hard it is to put your stuff out there and promote and hustle, and I admire you. That's what I'm saying. And I admire you. Thank you. I see what you do here in, in Los Angeles. Like, You're just like, you know, I want to come to that. The, the, the mismatch game? Yes, I totally want to come March 14th to that. and 15th. And I have your game. album. Do you? You have totally inspired me with your album. Did I? Yes. I have a CD of it's music. It's so cute. Thank you. That's very sweet. It You're is. awesome. It is really I lovely. I love that. Songs. You wrote all those songs. Yourself. I wrote all those songs myself. Yeah. I know. I think I'm doing a musical thing coming up. I haven't done music in a long time, but I have a musical project coming up that I will explain later to hey, people. You're like a fellow Mormon boy creative. Like, you know, like, do you remember road shows, doing road shows yeah. and stuff like that? And yeah, I would always play piano for those. And it's all, that's, you know, Mormon's a very creative environment, but you're right. Until you start to question things with your art or you start to, there's a limit, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's so much better than a church that don't let you dance. Come on. Right. We had good dances. At least we have, but and we do have Marie. We have. Mar- I love Donnie Marie. Yeah, I love Donnie Osmond. Them. I love his voice. That's right. And I, yeah, I, I saw them in concert. And let me just tell you, that was a pastiche. Marie would do opera. Then Donnie was going to do his boy band moment. Like it was all over the map. Mm-hmm. But Donnie ran through the crowd and did high fives. Yeah, I got a piece of that, Osmond. Right? Fuck yes. You know who he had the? You know who he had the tonight? The other thing. What? Nelly Olson. Allison. I saw her in the audience. Yes. Nellie Olson was here tonight. Allison, she did a show, she did a movie with Marie Osmond, and anyway, I got her autograph tonight, and she does that show, Confessions of a Prairie Bitch. Yeah. You should I do know. the Confessions tour. You we, bust and truck it or something. Right? Share expenses. That's right. You did come, you know you her from before? Along? No, I, I didn't. She came tonight. I'm See so you. lucky. All right. Last question. How would you describe this time in your life? 
You've done the show. You've, you're back in LA. Relaunch. Relaunch. Yeah, I've been consolidating. Yes. We went to a certain level, and now we're, we're launching. The kids, my kids are grown, which frees me. How old's me, the daughter? Which frees me up. She's, this is her senior year. Wow. As soon as she's done, it's like, I feel like I feel all this freedom. And you know what? This, this thing is opening up not just for more career, but um, I think for love. There you go. You heard it here first. Right? I think I got a scoop. Yeah. All right. I know you did a long show tonight, and you're here talking so late. Um, congratulations. Thank you for doing this. Go see Stephen's show. W- running through when? Are you indefinitely? Through, through April 26th, Confessions okay. of a Mormon Boy. Yes. Um, it's great. Here in Los Angeles. Even if you're not interested in Mormonism, it's somebody's journey through stuff. Do you it's know what I mean? It's about what it is to be human. Yeah. And it's a Pinocchio kind of wanting to be a real boy. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. And what we go through, you know, that pleasure island and those donkeys and almost yes. the human trafficking yes. of the donkeys. They're getting sold into white slavery, those donkeys. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, those who see Pinocchio will, will remember. Oh, right. Okay. You also mentioned, I always say last question is never the last question. You almost, at one point you described yourself as a narcissist in the show. Uh, no. Are you started, started Yay, though narcissist? I walk through the valley of the shadow of a narcissistic personality disorder. That's different. Okay. Because a narcissist would never admit yeah. narcissism. But you sort of own that as a, as a thing. I think a lot of gay men struggle with that. It's kind of like a velvet rage thing. True, true. Yeah. I, I think the, 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 the true notion of a, of, um, of a narcissist is not just self-absorption, but do they have the capacity for empathy? That's the thing. That's the kicker. If you cannot empathize... You know. Yes. But, um, you know, we're all narcissistic on a continuum. Sure. And uh, some of the most narcissistic are the most meek and mild of all. Interesting. Those, some of those codependents, you know, you think those flashy alcoholics are the big narcissists? Oh, it's the closet codependents that you have to be careful yeah, of. Yeah, they're the, they're the real ones? Oh, all right. yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> right, do you have a magnet for your show? I did. Okay. That's all I wanted I to know. Yeah, okay. I'll get you one. No, that's cool. Yeah, well, Put I knew you collect Broadway. them. Yeah, I love it. How long were you off Broadway? I was there eight shows a week for four yeah. months. That's a, that's a lot for that's off Broadway for a solo. It's not, exhausting. For a non-celebrity driven solo show. Yeah, that's amazing. Run. <laughs> um, who's the most famous person that's come and seen your show? Mm. Have you had your Dustin Lance Black? Mormon? Uh, he, no, no, he's never come. Yeah, what's the fuck? Well, you know what? He, you know, he never even served a mission. Well, I'm not nothing like that. But I'm the Mormon boy. <laughs> exactly. I'm the Mormon You've boy. You've earned I it. Mean, in one acceptance speech there at the Academy Awards, <laughs> in one acceptance speech, in five little minutes or whatever he stole, <laughs> he made my career almost completely irrelevant. Yeah, he really fucking stole your right? crown. Yeah, and he didn't even go on a mission. That's right. He did that bareback thing. Yeah, can he? <laughs> <laughs> can he? Can, I mean, we can just can, watch and he it. can't even speak Portuguese. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think he's been to the temple. I was baptized for the dead, but I, which is so weird now that I look back on it. I, you know what I remember about it? Going to Mesa from my hometown and being able to eat at McDonald's afterwards because we didn't have a McDonald's. Well, did you want to pee in that warm water in that font? I know the baptismal font. No, on the on the twelve oxen. <laughs> It's kind of hot. Listen, I, I didn't. Go. I, I know. Go. <laughs> We're the ending right now, but um, but I do remember like they just dunk you over and over, and it was like that. That you know when you're a kid, yeah, and you're afraid you're not going to be able to breathe and all the rest of it. All right, Stephen, thank you so much. This was great, and your show is fantastic, and I'm so glad we got to reconnect. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Stephen Fales. Go see his show, Confessions of a Mormon Boy. You will get a lot out of it, just as I did. Um, So this happened. Uh, My friends Danny and Brett, both former podcast guests, Danny Casillas and Brett Friedman, and I went and saw, for the record, John Hughes. Um, Dear John Hughes, I think is the actual title. It's a musical review of John Hughes' music from his movies. So they hit The Breakfast Club. They do Pretty in Pink. They do uh, Weird Science. They do they do all the teen stuff, 16 Candles, even some kind of wonderful. Um, and I had previously seen, for the record, Baz Luhrmann there and became obsessed with that whole place and those actors and how good everything is. And this one did not disappoint. They do the Breakfast Club dance. 
they even get into some drumming with uh, some kind of wonderful, and it's just awesome. And uh, a friend of mine got to be in it. His name's Alex Wise, and he played all the good parts. Ferris Bueller, um, Anthony Michael Hall in the different movies, and the Weird Science Kid, you know, and he just killed it. And I was so, like, proud of him and happy. And he appears um, on my soon-to-post pilot reading of my novel Misadventures in the 213, my pilot script. I did a reading with actors to help sort of shop it around, and I'm going to post it on this very site as soon as it's edited, and he played um, the lead role of Craig. He's awesome. So you could go. You should go see, for the record, John Hughes is my point, if you're in Los Angeles. If you're not, just, you know, rent the Breakfast Club and celebrate its 30th anniversary. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks again to Stephen Fales, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! <laughs>